The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Napsuck File Studios, this is Spotlight Star Wars Episode 14, Inside the Hall H of Dreams. I'm your host, Ken Napsuck, and welcome to my little monologue about Star Wars. Thanks for listening here on the Napsuck Files podcast feed. If you haven't already, subscribe to that feed. This is where you will find me talking about Star Wars for a while, as uh, you know. By now, if you're a fan of Jedi Alliance and the Popcorn Talk Network, I have uh, left that show this coming Monday at the time of this recording. will be my last show, but if you're listening after, I have left it in good standing, very uh, by my own choice. It was just time to go because of a new job that I will be starting. I was not going to be able to record uh, that live show, a broadcast that live show over a Popcorn Talk on Mondays at 2 p.m. like I had been doing. Uh, that uh, original showtime was based around my uh, then job. So things have changed. Life has changed, and it was with a bittersweet and kind of heavy heart that I left Jedi Alliance. It was a show that I was very proud of and very proud of what Maud Garrett and I had accomplished with that show as we tried to grow it in a competitive Star Wars podcast market. And sometimes there's other factors that maybe keep your views a little lower than you'd like them to be. But I, I got to say, I never did Jedi Alliance for the views. If 20 people liked that show, I would have still been doing it for the last year. Um, we had some great numbers uh, on YouTube at times, uh, but it was mostly modest. But on iTunes, the show did very well, sometimes garnering uh, 20,000 downloads a week. We hit that mark a few times. So uh, I, I appreciate all who listened to that show. And if you've been listening to Spotlight Star Wars for the past 13 episodes, uh, off and on, usually released every Saturday morning on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. Uh, if you've been listening, I, I thank you so much for supporting this endeavor. And if you're joining me now because uh, you want to get the fix of me talking about Star Wars, uh, welcome. This is a fun little thing I, I started on my own just to kind of have my own little forum outside of the uh, bounds of uh, bigger company responsibilities to talk about Star Wars. Uh, and uh, we'll see where this goes. I can tell you this. Without saying too much, I can tell you this, uh, this will not be the only place that you will find me talking about Star Wars in the coming months, year, maybe. Uh, that's all I can say. That's all I can say, but it's going to be fun, so thank you for the adventure uh, so far, for following me on this adventure so far. Let's dive in. Where do we begin and where do we leave off? I am so sorry that it's been about two weeks without a Spotlight Star Wars episode. One of those weeks was lost to Comic-Con. Uh, I would not even try to record a show there and release it to you guys. Um, it just, Comic-Con is, uh, San Diego Comic-Con to be specific, is a beast. It is fun, it is crazy, it is exciting, uh, but it is a long, exhausting 20 20-hour days, again, it's fun. Do not cry for me, uh, Argentina, or, or rather, do not cry for me, Alderaan. Um, uh, Comic-Con is, is great fun, but it is uh, it is hard work at times when you're covering it 
as part of the movie medium. And, of course, I got to be in Hall H. We're going to talk about that. I think I missed another week of the show simply because I was uh, probably depressed, if I uh, know me. Uh, we did uh, get to go into Hall H, me and some of the other schmoes, no crew. And uh, on Friday evening, and uh, it's been talked about already, it's been broken down already, it's been reviewed. You could go to schmoes, no, on the YouTube channel side, and you can catch the full Star Wars panel. You can catch our breakdown of the panel. Me and Mark Ellis did that, and also our, our, our breakdown of the amazing emotional, touching, behind-the-scenes video they released during uh, the Hall H panel. Uh, that's all there. I'm not here to break that all down. I think I want to finally get my opportunity here on Spotlight Star Wars to talk to you about what it felt like to be in Hall H for this Star Wars panel in the year of Star Wars. Uh, what it meant as a longtime fan. What it meant as a fan. 7,000 people squished into Hall H, a lot of the media, a lot of them uh, veterans of the Comic-Con Hall H wars, a lot of them knew young and old, they were there. In my row alone, because with the Schmoes No Crew, we kind of got separated at one point, in my row alone, you had a family of five in front of me, you had a boyfriend and girlfriend of, of mixed race, I might add. Not that it's important, but I might add. The demographic is there. And then and then next to me, you had um, uh, an Asian girl who I, I don't think spoke much English. And she was there uh, videotaping the panel and tweeting about the panel, proving that Star Wars has an international feel. And the other side of her was this uh, guy probably in his mid-60s who uh, got in for the panel. And then you had me, uh, the, 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 the fat white guy nerd. I fit that demographic sitting there in the Hall H panel. That was my row. That was around. And, and you're looking around and you think, yeah, these are Star Wars fans. This is what it means to be a Star Wars fan. Now, Comic-Con, Hall H, and all that stuff, as, as great as it is, it was not as good for me as Star Wars Celebration. If you heard my episode of Spotlight Star Wars that I did get to record when I was over at uh, uh, Star Wars Celebration, that's an entire different feel. That is a feeling of, of being surrounded by like-minded fans of one particular franchise, and it's a, it's a different feeling of euphoria. This is great, though, and Hall H is, is amazing, and some people camped out for days. I was able to get in uh, on the press side, so I, I didn't have to wait. I'm so sorry to the people that slept for days to get into the Hall H panel. Uh, the panel itself is about an hour, uh, which is kind of weird to think that you're waiting in all this anticipation for an hour of talking about a movie that you know you're going to see anyway, so you don't need it. It's not like it's an advertisement that's going to suddenly like, hmm, maybe should I consider seeing Star Wars? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I will. The panel, um, there's the anticipation level going into that panel all day. We had got there, how it works for most people, you don't just... If you're covering it or you, you, you have a way of getting in, you're in Hall H all day. It is an all-day thing. On Thursday, I was there for most of the panels. I got there at 10 a.m., and you're leaving at 1. Friday, I got there a little bit later. Mark Ellis and I have most know how to go do something else. We got there about noon. Didn't get out of there till 7. And some people there, you get in at 8 a.m. And I'm not talking about the line. I'm talking about actually getting into Hall H. You're there all day. So by the time the Star Wars panel was coming, I was exhausted. But your adrenaline kicks up, and the crowd swells, and more people, they squeezed as many people as you could. And, and all the panels through that day, and there were some good panels on that Friday. The Game of Thrones panel was there, and there were some other things. And then um, 
you had a uh, a panel uh, right before it. It was like uh, Entertainment Weekly's uh, Brave New Warriors panel. They had some a uh, bunch of male actors out there, kind of up-and-coming action stars is how they kind of sold it. But it was like Zach Levi, Michael Kudlitz, and all these people. And it was and actually was an entertaining panel. But the entire time for that hour... Everyone's just murmuring Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, and it's coming. And then, and rumors, rumors are filtering back. They're filtering back, I should say. Mark Ellis was over in the press room doing some editing, and he comes out. He goes, "I heard some stuff, man. There's going to be like 40 stormtroopers around. And there's this and that." And and we had heard the big because the bet for Schmoes know that Christian Harloff and I had made that was that Harrison Ford was absolutely, in my mind, going to be there at the panel. And Christian said, I don't believe he will. I think you're going to get a trailer. We bet on it. Um, We haven't had a chance to collect on the bet. Um, But we had heard some news, and I'll let this slip out. We had heard some news Thursday night, or maybe even Wednesday night, late at Comic-Con. Someone close to us, a secret source, had told Christian Harloff, "Uh, Harrison Ford is here, or he's coming in. They're bringing him in. He will be there for the panel. And Christian came up to me and said, uh, what do you want in your Subway sandwich, which was, our, which was our part of our bet, because you're going to win. It looks as though Harry Ford is going to be there. and uh, But you can't be sure. There's rumors. And so building up to that uh, panel, you know, 4 o'clock, 4.30, stuff's filtering back in the anticipation, uh, not knowing what we're going to get. For Star Wars The Force Awakens, we know that Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Lawrence Kasdan were going to be there. We knew that, and it was safe to assume that some of the new cast was going to be there, uh, especially the leads. And, and and we, pretty safe bet, I think it even had been announced, yeah, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, they're not new to conventions. They're not new to panels and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was kind of a given. So the panel itself... Panels are interesting. Personally, I'm not overly excited about any panel. It's an hour of of basically a uh, loose press conference, some fan questions, some great, some eh, and stuff that they're not... Like in the Game of Thrones panel, you know, fans would get up, uh, Hey, uh, Natalie Dormer, can you tell me what Marjorie Tyrell is going to do in Season 6? And of course she'd say, uh, No, actually, I, I can't. Number one, I don't know everything, and two... I can't tell you. So uh, to me, panels aren't the greatest thing. I am not a Hall H warrior. Uh, I usually try to take on other duties when the Schmoes and I uh, were all down there covering Comic-Con. But this panel, there was some good stuff up top. And again, I don't want to break it down, but the feeling as a fan, when you're watching Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Lawrence Kasdan talk about it, you get the feeling these are the people in control of this. And... and, uh, you get the feeling consistent, consistent with the other panels in Star Wars Celebration, that J.J. Abrams gets it. I know sometimes he has his critics. And I, I was critical of Star Trek Into Darkness, but that, that's, that's me being critical of one movie uh, and, and, and some bland pot, plot points and all that kind of stuff. But I love the first Star, Star Trek reboot. And, and I, liked, I liked Super 8. The ending wasn't my favorite thing, but I loved what Abrams was trying to accomplish. So, so I have confidence about Abrams going into it. But when he's up there on the panel, and Kathleen Kennedy, it's very easy to assume or think uh, cynically that these three heads of, of the, the dragon here are going to be just company people, just given the party line. But you just kind of get the sense that Abrams got it. 
He knew how to approach this. And they bring out the live-action puppet character, uh, Baba Joe, uh, which is the one that appeared in the UNICEF video, and, and, and it's walking around, and, you know, we'd seen it before, and it was kind of cool. Um, wasn't as popular as BB-8. But the whole time that's happening, it's Abram saying, guys, we're going practical. And he even mentioned, it'll, by, there's obviously going to be CGI in the movie. That's just every every movie has some sort of computer-generated something. But But we base this on practical sets practical models the actors know what they're in uh what scene they're in they're feeling the scene there's no uh, overwhelming green screen or blue screen and tennis balls on characters this is this is real and and and, uh you're listening to him talk and i'm all in on this that abrams he just knew how to handle it Lawrence Kasdan. I'm very excited that Lawrence Kasdan is more. I think Lawrence Kasdan deserves, I don't want to say the same amount of, of, of praise and credit as, as George Lucas, but Lawrence Kasdan is the reason Empire is as great as it is. He's the reason the Jedi has some gravitas to it buried beneath those furry Ewoks. And if he had had his way, the movie would have had even more gravitas. But you know what? I'm glad he didn't get his way because now we still have Han Solo. So Lawrence Kasdan's out there, and he does not strike me as the type of guy that's going to just give the party line. Again, he's not going to come up on the panel and say, you know, actually, this movie's going to be bad. But what I mean by that is he's up there speaking from the heart as someone who is a bit of a caretaker for the Star Wars of old. He also did some uh, secret rewrite work on the, on the, the prequels, which is uh, not talked about much, interestingly enough. But to see Kasdan out there and to hear him talk about it and how he had to come back and you just... You just feel good as a fan that they have taken care of this property. Is it going to be an A plus, like we all want it to be, or emotionally need it to be? I don't know. And what do you, what's the level you're going to be happy at? If this movie's a C plus, are we going to be happy? Probably not. If this movie is a B plus, can we be happy? I think we can, and I think we, as as a fan base, need to kind of keep that in mind. But to try to lower our expectations and, and temper them at this point is pretty ludicrous. The, the expectations for Episode 7 are through the roof. Now, the next part of the panel, they bring out the, the main cast, uh, the, the good guys, as they call them. And that, that's, of course, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and uh, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron. And I'll tell you, I like, uh, I don't, I, I don't know much about Isaac. I know his work, but I don't, you know, he, he seems to be a very kind of private guy, quiet, but excited to be there. And he's, and he's revealed some stuff in some print interviews and everything, but he's kind of the elder statesman of it. It, it remind the dynamic, and this is the point I'm getting at in these first three. I've, we've seen them before, Ridley, Boyega, and, and Isaac at, at conventions. And it's the big three, it's the leads and all this kind of stuff. But the dynamic, and I don't... Look, I I gotta assume maybe they did this somewhat on purpose, but the dynamic reminds me absolutely of Ford, Fisher, and Hamill going into New Hope and coming out of New Hope. You got Isaac's kind of the older one of the guy, the group. He's kind of you know he's rustically good looking. Um, he's kind of got a scoundrel vibe to him, but he seems like a good dude. 
and he's very excited to be there, but he's very reserved. Then you've got Boyega, who is just energetic. I I tell you, I I I don't I'm not familiar with Boyega before this attack the block I know and all this stuff, but I'm telling you, this guy, I I am a fan of John Boyega because every time he's up there talking about Star Wars, it's not that I need a fanboy to star in the movie, but he knows that he is in a great spot and he feels fortunate and lucky and thrilled to be there. And it comes through every time he talks about it. And I'm so excited to see what he's done with Finn. You see, so he reminds me kind of the young, enthusiastic uh, Hamill. Very sincere, uh, very uh, wide-eyed, innocent, but 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 understands what's going on. And then you get Daisy Ridley, a little bit of an unknown. Carrie Fisher was a bit of an unknown, too, other than her, her family heritage being the only maybe claim to fame at that point. But as a performer, she was a bit of an unknown, and she was younger and quiet, quieter, and just kind of, hey, I'm here um, behind the scenes a little different later on. But uh, um, Daisy Ridley has that vibe to her. She is self-effacing. She made a reference uh, about um, uh, this kind of being the only thing she's done. And it was done in a joking manner. And it came off just, she she just seems very likable. And the dynamic seems to be there. They seem to generally like each other. And if these are our three leads going forward, if this is who the franchise is now built around, I, I think we're in capable hands. And you pick that up. Then they bring out the villains. Uh, they bring out um, uh, Donald Gleason. And uh, Gwendolyn Christie, who I just adore, and and uh, Kylo Ren himself, Adam Driver. Driver is awkward. Not saying that in a bad way. I get it. He's a big, tall, serious, awkward dude. Seems like I I, I gotta admit I'd watched the first season of, of Girls, and I, I didn't continue watching the show, and I I, I actually liked it, and I I, I respect uh, Lena Dunham's work. Uh, certainly, it's just maybe not my voice. It's not me. That's not. I'm not the demographic for girls. Uh, but I liked Adam Driver's work in that. That's only the biggest thing I was familiar with on it. But when I started hearing him being uh, talked about being cast as a bad guy or being cast at all in Star Wars, I, I wasn't too excited about the prospect. Again, I liked what he did in Girls, but it just it's that that's a different type of show. It's a, it's a melodramatic performance. It's a relationship drama, a little bit of comedy. He was great at it. I get it. I got it. I see why he's in this business and he deserves his spot. But when it came down to Adam Driver and Star Wars, I was a little bit confused. Then the stuff started coming out about Kylo Ren and, and how it looks. And I think that character looks awesome. You will not. I've been critical of some of the names in the Star Wars Force Awakens uh, cast hit list coming on. Supreme Leader Snoke and Captain Phasma. I've been critical of those names because I'm an idiot. What else? I'm in Star Wars media. I'm going to criticize stupid things that are pointless and have no meaning in life. Um, but I will say Kylo Ren, and I even like that name. The visuals that we've seen so far in, in the teasers uh, and, and the, the shots... Even with him without his mask on, Kylo Ren, I just immediately accept this character as Star Wars canon. It is there. It is It is like the first time you kind of saw Darth Maul and really grasped what you were seeing before the movie came out. It was like we all wanted Maul to be the big baddie. If Kylo Ren stays for the next three movies and there's something was hit with his arc, whether he's, he's a solo kid or Skywalker or he's related to Admiral Ackbar, I don't know. Uh, I am on board. And at this panel, Adam Driver came off, like I said, awkward, 
but in a charming manner, if, if you can follow my drift, and distant and kind of dark. And when the fans ask a question, there was a, I forget exactly what it was, but someone asked a, a direct question about him and maybe something about his part and where the character was going. And he just kind of, he didn't answer. And he wasn't mean about it. wasn't rude. wasn't curt. He just kind of was like, yeah, I can't talk about that. We, we, we talked about, and he was talking about he and J.J. Abrams. We didn't talk about this character in terms of good and evil. Good and bad, good versus evil. We talked about this character making choices that this character would want to make, and it speaks to the idea that every good villain is the hero in his own story. And if that's what they got going on with Kylo Ren and how it factors into Supreme Leader Snoke and all this other stuff, we're in good hands, folks. Adam Driver, I watched him up there. And I, I, I absolutely took this away about, about Driver. Now it makes sense. There's some darkness in there. There's a depth to him. And I don't mean darkness like evil. I just mean there's, a, there's, there's some shadows in him that I think are going to fuel his performance as Kylo Ren. And I'm on board. If I am wrong, strike me down, Darth. If I'm wrong, I'm excited. Uh, Donald Gleason was already up there. I was up there, too. Of course, uh, best known for his turn in uh, Harry Potter and uh, the, the magic of Wizard Beans or whatever that movie is. Those movies are. I'm kidding. I love Harry Potter, just not into it as much as I am as other things, of course. Gleason uh, is an unknown uh, in terms of what he was going to bring to this. There were some rumors. I don't. I try not to listen to the rumors, but sometimes they fall into your ears. And now it was revealed that he is a, he is a character called General Hux, which H U X, that sexy letter X. And I gotta say, uh, I gotta say, uh, I like that name. If you're keeping track of the names that Ken likes in The Force Awakens, I like General Hux. Um, there's some rumors that the, the character might not be what he's supposed to be or what he appears to be. Well, again, I, I don't dig into those. Um, we didn't get to spend much time with him. Uh, Gleason, when asked about his character, if his character was a bad guy, he said, well, I'm, I'm British in the movie. I'm British, so I must be evil. Because in the Star Wars universe, if you're British, you're the bad guy. Uh, and then he didn't really address it much more after that. Uh, it's an unknown character. I like what the, the visual of him. He had a very Imperial officer kind of vibe to him. Uh, but he's a general, so he's a little powerful. I like that. Gwendolyn Christie, of course, Captain Phasma. I'll say it once without making fun of the name. I still don't like the name. So cut me down with a lightsaber, all right? But make no mistake. I am a Gwendolyn Christie fan because of my love of Game of Thrones and her performances uh, in that as Brienne of Tarth. I am excited to see her in this role. I hope she is pure bad to the very end. I do not want to see Captain Phasma suddenly picking roses and giving them to the Jedi. All right, I want her to be bad to the end. And I want Christie to shine. She's awesome. She's amazing. She is a star for me. Make her the next big action star. All right? I believe it, and I'm so excited for her. I'm excited. And that, that visual of the chrome trooper kind of outfit that Captain Phasma's got going on and this little cape draping off the side is one of, uh, it, it is, uh, one of my favorite Star Wars visuals so far. And, and I pause there for a moment. I think there's already a lot of things in Force Awakens that we have seen that makes me go, Oh, this is Star Wars, and it's staying Star Wars. What I mean by that, there's some other things. I love the Clone Wars. I love the animated series, the second animated series. I love the first one, too. Uh, I love the second one. But there's some things in there that I'm like, oh, please. I don't want that shark villain to be in Star Wars anymore. 
There's a lot of things like that. And there's things in Rebels, too. Uh, I think I'm coming around on Zeb, but early on, I didn't want a big, burly alien creature with a Cockney accent to be in my Star Wars. But I'm coming around on it. Um, so there's things like that. The point is, I'm not here to hammer on those kind of things. The point is, there's some things that we've seen uh, in Expanded Universe or the comic books. There was some of the stuff in the Marvel's Princess Leia comic series that just wrapped up. There's some things in it that I went, I don't want that to be part of my official Star Wars canon. There's some stuff in the Darth Vader comic the 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 weird clones that the emperor's got going on and all that kind of stuff i i not overly thrilled that that's part of uh, i said clones I actually meant cyborgs I, I don't want that part uh, of my star wars universe right or wrong maybe i'm wrong but i think you get what i'm saying but but there's stuff in the force awakens that's been revealed that i'm that i i just think i'm i'm happy this is part of the Star Wars universe now. It looks like it. It belongs. It's going to expand the love of the lore. The Legends came out after that. Carrie Fisher, she's awesome. I love Carrie Fisher. I love that she wears her life's mistakes and troubles and trials and tribulations on her sleeve. She comes across to me. Carrie Fisher is one of the most real people in this crazy town. I would spend a, a, a gladly spend an evening sharing a drink with her if she could do that. I don't know. Is she on the wagon or not? I don't know. I hope she is. I don't, I'm not even going to go there. I'd share a drink in front of her if I needed to. I, I'd share a piece of toast with Carrie Fisher just to hear her talk about life. I love that she's writing a book uh, based on her 1976 journals about the making of Star Wars. I want that from Carrie Fisher. Mark Hamill is great. He he deserves all the credit in the world for being a caretaker of the flame of the celebration of Star Wars. I absolutely feel that that Mark Hamill, uh, more than anyone else, while Harrison Ford was off uh, kind of ignoring it, while Carrie Fisher was off dealing with her troubles, Mark was the guy who was showing up at conventions. Mark was the guy who was like, I loved being in Star Wars. Mark was the guy who could kind of make fun of Star Wars, uh, make fun of his audition uh, dialogue, all that kind of stuff, but still was like, hey, I'm so glad I got to be a part of it. There was times when Harrison Ford just did not want to even almost admit that he was part of Star Wars. That he that that he, there's some mis- stories my friends have told me who have de- interviewed him and, and stuff has come up and he's been very testy over Star Wars. Mark Hamill's never been that. Mark Hamill has been the face of the franchise and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. That said, next came out Harrison Ford. We all kind of knew it was happening. By this time, whether you had heard the direct rumors like we had in Schmoe's No Land or not, you knew there was something going to be done. They had a, uh, a space available at the dais next to Mark Hamill, but they didn't have a microphone. And you kind of, was that a chair hidden back there? I don't know. And they played it well. They, they gave the crowd that pop, that moment to pop. And, and Harrison walks out and... and the reason I'm talking this long about it, the reason I'm going inside the Hall H of Dreams here at Comic-Con is, is to explain that moment as a fan. And it's a fan in the know. Maybe there's some fans out there, younger ones, who don't fully grasp yet or haven't learned that Harrison Ford kind of, yeah, at times didn't like Star Wars or kind of didn't want to talk about it. So here he is. And you're thinking. First of all, you're on your feet clapping. But you're thinking, how's he going to be? Is he going to be grumpy about this? 
Is he going to celebrate? Was he told to celebrate? Eh, he's probably going to force a smile. I don't think that is the Harrison Ford we got. Some people I've heard some cynics say, hey, of course, what is he going to do? He's going to come out there. I think he was genuinely moved. I think he was genuinely moved. I was talking about this with comedian Mike Black, uh, Jedi Alliance contributor. Um, Black says it well. This is, this is one of the first times as it relates to Star Wars that Harrison Ford was able to come out and have an entire room just celebrating him in a natural, healthy, and somewhat distant manner. And this wasn't people jumping out of the bushes, as Mike Black always jokes, uh, getting him to try to sign a Han Solo action figure while he's at lunch. This, and, and, and believe me, the, that, that style of fan is out there in, in any genre, and it, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, all right? I, I get, well, why celebrities build big walls up, all right? Uh, yeah, Harrison did it. He, yeah, I'm Han Solo. He like he wore that T-shirt. Get over it. I understand that. But but here, and, I, and Mike's point is right. This was pure, unadulterated, respectful, distant, no one jumping out of bushes, love of Harrison and a gratitude. The crowd was thankful. This was a smart crowd. They got what this meant for the most part. 80% of that crowd got that this moment was big for the Star Wars universe. Harrison Ford was there to celebrate it with us. Who knows? He might have been uh, planned to come out at Star Wars celebrations, but the plane accident delayed that. I don't know. Who knows? We'll never know that. But it was there. We got it. Harrison's out there. Great moment. And then... He is moved to the point of choking up. And uh, a lot of people have talked about that. And for me, that, that, that was the most memorable and important part of this panel. Harrison Ford was talking about what it meant. And, you know, he's droll and dry regardless. And he's talking about what it meant to come back to the franchise that launched his working career, his working life, is I think the actual phrase he used, which is a very Harrison type of approach. If you've watched his interviews, he's going to be very just, uh, you know, I think in the, in the Empire of Dreams documentary, which I thought he was very giving in that documentary, by the way. But Harrison Ford talks about, uh, you know, hey, what did I think about Star Wars after it comes out, the big opening weekend? Claps his hands, shuffles them together, and says, now I could get started on my career. Got that out of the way. Now I could do what I really wanted to do. Watch that interview on Empire Dreams if you haven't seen it. So that when he started that, I'm very happy to return to the role that helped launch the start of my working life. All right, that's a very Harrison approach. But then he choked up. He didn't cry, but he choked up. This is a man that survived a, a plane crash, casually landed on a golf course. It's probably not going to overact and be too emotional. But he, he got choked up. And he was talking about reading Larry Kasdan's script and that there were some great developments in it and, and that it had weight to it and it had merit to it. And yep, if you're out there and you're cynical, you could say, well, of course, Harrison Ford's going to say that. They threw him a lot of money to be in the movie, and they threw him a lot of money to come on out to the panel. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe we're all just drinking the Kool-Aid, but I was there. I was one of the 7,000 people in Hall H who saw it in person, though distantly. I, I was there, and I can tell you the moment came off as very real and sincere. And it also tells me that the story Kevin, Abrams, and Kennedy are telling carries weight, it'll be good. And if it made Harrison Ford come back 
I think we're going to be okay. And on Mark Hamill's interview on the Schmoes No Movie Show, when we talked to him over the, over the phone a while ago, uh, I asked him, you know, is there anything that would have made you not come back to Star Wars? And he answered, yes. All three of us, meaning Fisher, Ford, and Hamill, all three of us had to be on board. That means a lot to me when Harrison Ford says, I read the script, I had to be a part of this. I had to come back. All right? Yeah, he came back for Indy, Indiana Jones 4. I get it. He's doing Blade Runner 2. Maybe he wants to do another Indy. I get it. But also he's considering legacy now. And also thinks he, he's wrapping things up. Which, again, if we're speculating, I absolutely believe Han Solo will be dead by the end of The Force Awakens. I'm mentally bracing myself when it finally happens. If it does happen, if we are right, if those who are predicting that, like me and Christian, are right, I will be sobbing uncontrollably and unapologetically, and I hope you will too. But I think that's going to happen. That's what I read between those lines. That was my favorite moment of the panel and what it meant to be there as a fan in that panel, in that auditorium experiencing it. And yeah, then they did the cool thing, Abrams and Hardwick saying, hey, uh, we're going to give you some passes and all 7,000 of you are going to march orderly over to a free Star Wars concert. That was a great moment for 6,996 people because the four of us from Schmoes know uh, who had the passes could not go. We had to go on to do some work, and I talked about that on Jedi Online. It's not going to make a big deal of it. It was a choice we simply had to make. Um I would have liked to have seen a free Star Wars concert and seen the cast come out with lightsabers and, and get all that kind of stuff. Believe me, I would have, folks, but work calls, and sometimes that's the way it is. I kept a little placard. Maybe I should have given it away to someone so they could have experienced it. I'm sorry. I was selfish for a moment. That's what I did. So that was a, a fun aspect of the panel, but I didn't experience it, and it wasn't about it. Hall H., San Diego Comic-Con International 2015, the Star Wars panel at Hall H, had other important things that as a a longtime Star Wars fan, uh, I was happy to see, to read into, and experience. We're almost there. December 18th, 2015 is almost there. We we are uh, in a great time to be a Star Wars fan. As I say, Marvel's comics are good. The Lando series started strong. I enjoy it. Check it out. Kane and the Last Padawan still moving on pretty strong. Uh, it's at a key part. It's, it just finished issue four. And I think I would have noticed with some of these Star Wars comics is they start strong and they kind of taper off. And that's fine. That's how it goes. You're telling long-term stories here when you're writing comics. And um, they're doing a great job. Uh, the Kanan one is still going good. It's, it's now moved the plot along. Some of the stuff that was there initially uh, that got me interested is, is maybe faded away. Stuff about the Jedi and whether or not they should have fought in the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. It's still there. The story's moving forward. But it's good. It's good. Kanan... Kanan's a great Star Wars character. I'll say it. I even like some of the stuff in New Dawn. Gasp, I know. Uh, you've got, what do you got? you got Shattered Empire starting soon. Uh, Aftermath is coming out. I'm almost done. Got a little delayed. Almost done with my advanced copy of Dark Disciple. It is great in points. It is good in other points. But it is always at a very entertaining level. It's a good book. It's a good Star Wars book. It's different. It's it's not something I would have uh, fully expected. So there's so much there. There's so much. We are just beginning with the onslaught of Star Wars books, merchandise, the toys. We got Force Friday starting, uh, what is that, September 4th. 
the toys are coming out. And uh, we'll see what kind of spoilers that brings. Um, but there's a lot coming. This is the year to be a Star Wars fan. And I'm so glad I get to still talk about it with you here on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on Stitcher and Podomatic. Of course, there's a lot of other shows on this feed. I still... Still debating. Maybe I take Spotlight Star Wars to its own feed. Um, we'll see. We'll see about that. Some changes coming in my career uh, very shortly uh, that might determine uh, what I do with some of these individual shows. But as of right now, the Knapsack Files podcast feed has a whole bevy of shows. You have the Knapsack Files interviews. You have um, I'm Always Up with me and Alex Welsh. And Alex is now living out in L.A., so it's a different take on the show. Uh, Alicia Malone's Film School is still on the roster. We're still going to do it. I promise. I promise promise but she is traveling the world she's been in like rome and london this week uh, for press um alicia is a hard-working busy lady uh but we're gonna still do that and of course i've uh, been doing the night is dark special edition shows on on the feed as well uh if you haven't caught the one where uh michelle boyd and i drink some whiskey and talk about what we want to see out of season six please give it a listen i think it's a great episode uh, and, of course, Spotlight Star Wars rolls on here. Uh, you will all hear what I'm doing soon with my career. I cannot talk about it yet. And, again, for those who've been listening uh, over at Jedi Alliance, the show will go on with some great guest hosts and some uh, hopefully permanent hosts. They're working on it. I've been helping Popcorn Talk kind of sort that out. Um, please continue to listen to that show. Do not be one of those people that says, Ooh, the hosts I like are gone. I'm going to shit on the show that they left behind. Don't do that. Because my friends are going to be over there. And my friends at Popcorn Talk are still moving on with the show. And I want you to still listen to Jedi Alliance. And this show, Spotlight Star Wars, I'm done for this episode. So, until next time, may that force thing remain around you.